This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that we can't live without the internet. Joining me by phone for today's podcast is Fletcher Kittredge, CEO and founder of GWI, a Biddeford, Maine-based internet service provider. Welcome, Fletcher Kittredge. Uh, hi, it's nice to meet you here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I, it's my pleasure. Uh, as I said in the intro, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we really struggle to live without high-quality internet. And there's been so many challenges. You've been at the forefront of the internet as an internet service provider and dealing with all the legislation. And recently penned an op-ed in the Portland Press-Herald about a recent issue regarding main rules about attaching fiber to poles. Could you just summarize your concern? What prompted you to write the article that appeared in the Press-Herald on March 4th? Um, well, first of all, it's one of those details that um, you wouldn't norm- a person would normally uh, know about unless they were a regulatory lawyer. But but it, that detail at the same time has an enormous impact on uh, uh, where broadband's available, particularly in rural areas, because it really changes the the economics of um, uh, the of deploying new uh, fiber broadband uh, out to rural areas. And it uh, the story is is that um, Maine, uh, uh, there are national rules for how you attach fiber to the poles, how much it costs and, and uh, to attach and that sort of thing. And um, their main each state has the choice whether or not they follow those national rules or whether they set their own rules. And Maine has decided to set its its own rules. And recently, uh, uh, with bipartisan support after about five years of uh, uh, regular rulemaking at the, at the federal level, the federal rules um, were updated to make it easier and cheaper to and faster. Uh, to deploy uh, new fiber, and uh, uh, the legislature um, uh, um, signaled to uh, the Maine PUC, the regulatory body in Maine, um, that they they should update their rules as well. And the PUC has been in the process of doing that, and um, they've they've been doing updates, uh, and they're patterned. Uh, they're you know they're explicitly patterned to some extent on the federal rules, but some of the details um, uh, make it less favorable for um, uh, attaching to the uh, poles, and in particular, they they um, they advantage the incumbents, uh, the the existing telephone and power companies. Uh, over people who uh, are new entrants who want to enter the market and, and build fiber. And um, I don't think that's really what Maine wants. And one impact of that is that it makes it more expensive and slower to build uh, fiber networks in Maine than it does in other states. And a natural consequence of that means that it, it's less likely that investment to build um fiber networks will will happen in Maine and uh, that's that's not a good thing so it's a, it's a small 
uh, it's a small thing you don't think about. Um, You know, what are the rules to attach fiber to the poles? And uh, it's a regulatory proceeding, but it could have a big impact um, because it could mean less fiber broadband for the state of Maine, particularly in rural areas. So the telephone poles, as I refer to them now, uh, that that are around that have all of these wires on them, the fiber optic cable has to be attached to it in order to expand the broadband. Who owns the poles currently? Well, it's uh, the poles are owned by either the uh, power company or the or the incumbent telephone company, or or both jointly owned. Uh, and I should say that that's for uh, you know ninety nine percent of them. There there are a few that are owned by other entities, but by and large, it's either the telephone company, the power company, or jointly owned. If you had to, in you know good faith, summarize what their argument is like against adopting the recently expanded federal rules that make it easier for locally based companies what what's their what's their argument their argument is it's the way we always done it by and large (laughs) that that would be my summary and i i I think that that uh um they'd put it differently and and they'd say well we've always always done it this way and this is the safe way to do it or uh, and, and and that's pretty pretty much it. And the the issue we have with that, uh, I would say, is that our, our I think the strong counter argument is: look, these federal rules, uh, you know, they're they're about uh, half the state just follow the federal rules, and then then uh, five of the of the states that set their own rules have already changed their rules to match the federal rules. So this has been going on for a few years, and it's it's worked well in other states. It's not as though uh, 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 um, it's not as though it hasn't worked well there. And um, you know uh, the 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 dominant incumbent telephone company uh, in Maine, which happens to do business in other states. Uh, you know, they filed and said, you know, you couldn't possibly do this. These rules are impractical. You know, you, you, we need to keep doing it the way we've always done it. These new rules won't work. Well, that in, that company does um, uh, business in many states that already have the federal rules and that work just fine. So is this Verizon? Uh, no, uh, no, Verizon is, is not an incumbent telephone company in Maine. They offer wireless service, but they sold off their um, they Verizon sold off their telephone plant back in uh, 2008 to a company called Fairpoint. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, okay. So, so could you think of like when I think of attaching fiber cable to a pole, what can you think of an example of something that people could relate to? What would make it easier? Is it like the distance from other wires? Is it how high yes, it has so, to be? So you, you, need, you need to make sure there's space and uh, on the pole. And so uh, a, a, a couple things can happen. Uh, one is, I, the, the most common uh, is there's already space and you attach. Uh, second most common is you need to move around some of the existing wires um, to, uh, uh, to make space to attach your new fiber. Uh, and then uh, the least common but the most expensive is you look at the pole and they say, ah, you know what, this pole is really old, it needs to be replaced, uh, or um, 
uh, this pole needs to be replaced because it just isn't big enough to fit all the wires. So we need a new pole. And it, and um, so uh, the the process of moving wires around um, uh, is uh, uh, is called make ready. And as is the process of, of uh, uh, replacing a pole, so it's making making things ready to attach the new fiber. And what these new the federal rules do is, first of all, they set time limits on when uh, if if the if the telephone company is told to move their wires around or replace the pole, it gives limits on how long they can take to do that. And in the past, it's it's been kind of a little bit of when they can get around to it or very long limits like a half a year so if you want to build a fiber network and they say well just getting the poles ready we have a half a year to do it now obviously it's going to a project's going to end up taking a year and a half or two years if if that's uh what they you know that's what they say so what the new rules of the federal rule they're called one touch make ready and what that means is, uh, in the the way under the old rules that have to work is if you had three people that needed to move their wires, the power company, the telephone company, the cable company, there each of them would have a long time to do it, and each of them would send out three separate crews to do it, and that that really slowed things down. So if each one had four months to do it, and all three of them have to do it, and they wait. You know, they wait in between, and remember, the cable company and the telephone company both don't want people to build new fiber networks in Maine. You know, they don't want new, faster networks to compete with their old networks, old, slower networks. So um, they they had an incentive um, to, uh, uh, and certainly created the sense that they were they were deliberately dragging their feet to slow uh, things down and and stop other people. Uh, what the new rules say is, look, the people who are going to attach to the poles, uh, they can send out one crew, and the crew has to be a, an approved crew, one that's been approved by the, the power company, the telephone company, and the uh, uh, the cable company. And uh, one crew can go out and do it all in, in one day. And uh, so that vastly uh, mm-hmm. speeds up the process. So... Um, uh, it, and it's called One Touch Make Ready. It's, it, you know, it was uh, fully regulated, you know, the whole regulation process at the federal level. I think it was originally started under the uh, the, the administration before the last administration and, and uh, was finished during the last administration at the federal level. There's a real bipartisan support because it was hard for anyone to look at the current system and say with a straight face, um, that having the incumbents really have the ability to block things was in the public interest. So, um, but, you know, it's getting those details right, um, uh, you know, setting the same time limits as the federal uh, and, and um, uh, you know, uh, uh, for example, one of the things is the cable companies have said, well, we should be able to, to block things if we don't think it's, it's safe, and just so you know, there's there's no way that there's any, anything unsafe about that. And the federal government said, no, the cable company really doesn't have an interest in this, and they shouldn't be able to block other people. 
And, uh, you know, if, if uh, the cable companies having lost that fight at the federal level, uh, uh, I, you know, are now we're having to fight again at the state level. And one of the concerns we have is that, you know, the federal government has, you know, squadrons of lawyers that can look at these things and, and really analyze it and research it. And uh, so they're, they're actually kind of a good match for the, the big cable companies, telephone companies. But here in Maine, we don't have those, that type of resource. And one of the things we're worried about is that arguments that were rejected at the federal level will, will sneak back in at the state level. Now, do you think that um, the fight over privacy, Maine kind of went its own way yeah. when it yeah. came to online yeah. privacy and, and, yeah. and that, that's being litigated. Do you think that experience is going to help you convince legislators that being consistent with federal rules is easier in the long run, or is that a, a problem? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, a, um, you know, I see them as, as very separate, uh, um, and I, I really don't think they're analogous. Mm. Um, you know, in, in one case, um, uh, I, I think in one case you had at the national level uh, the, 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 the powerful parties, um, uh, you know, having a regulation and there was a decision to, to regulate them. Uh, I think it, in the, in the, uh, the privacy case, uh, and, and what we're hoping for is regulation that is good as the national level In the privacy case, it's, you know, hard for me not to feel like there's been a failure at the national level. Right. So that so there needs to be uh, there was a need for stronger regulation at the state level. So it's it's almost there the the exact opposite. Um, Now, what about? uh, um, Sorry to interrupt, but that's a good point that you just made. Now, the three ring binder project was kind of born from the last or one of the big stimulus bills in two thousand and nine. Congress just passed, and Joe Biden signed this three point one trillion dollar. Is there money in that bill that you're aware of that might help the cause of, of expanding broadband oh, to rural states? Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. And no, does this rulemaking process have anything, I don't know, will that... Well, inf- it sh- it, it, there's no direct correlation, but it should make it, um, it should make the dollar go a lot fa- farther in Maine. I mean, it should allow for the same amount of federal money. Uh, and I will say that, you know, we don't know until it happens how it turns out, but on the face of it, I think uh, the way that they're doing it this time is better. I think they learned something from that from the stimulus, and the way they're doing it this time uh, potentially is better, uh, or at least it gives Maine a an ability if we don't screw it up to do a better job. Now this um, ru- th- this rulemaking process and and your position yeah. your position yeah. that the PUC should adopt or. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, what are if people are listening and they agree with you and they want to do something to support the cause of expanding broadband, what should people do? Just how do you how do you support something well, that's in rulemaking? Yeah. Um, hopefully it'll turn out well. Uh, and 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 uh, the, the PUC will will adhere closely with the, the feds do. Um, you know, it's a quasi judicial process so there's really not a way you know you can't go and lobby the court um to to, you know it's it's a judicial 
where where it could come in is that is if if the, we end up with something that's that's not good, uh, then the legislature will have to be potentially could get involved again and say, no, look, we we really meant it when we said you know you you need to to fix this and you haven't fixed it all the way and you need you need to fix it better. Um, but I, I think you brought up an, a, a, a really important point I want to go back to. And when I said this time around, we think it'll do better, and it's really to Maine. It, to Maine. Uh, the last time, um, you know, it was uh, uh, 12 years ago, uh, the stimulus package. Um, uh, and there, we didn't know then what we know now. Uh, there was an attempt, they, they set up everything at the federal level. And uh, it was the first time that money was routed through the NTIA. The NTIA had never done anything like this before. And there were there were problems with that. And um, I think the three-ring binder could have uh, never really fulfilled its pro- problems because of some of the problems with, with that. This time around, they're giving most of the money, as my understanding, is in a block grant to the state. And it's going to be the state that allocates the money. And there's potentially a great deal of promise because in Maine, we probably know better exactly what we need than, than uh, the federal level. And oftentimes, federal level uh, programs um, are structured in such a way because Maine is such a small state and we're, we're somewhat we're certainly very rare, if not unique, in our needs. Um, we end up with rules that, that are bad for us. I mean, one of the things is the USDA tends to have rules that favor large uh, uh, agricultural states in the Midwest and and uh, uh, and the mountain states and, and doesn't match up with small farm states like Maine. And the reason I bring up USDA is most federal uh, broadband money for rural areas goes to the USDA. Well, this time around, it's pro- it's going. My understanding is going to be routed through the Connect Maine Authority, and they're going to get quite a bit of money. How and, much? Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the the law was literally, I think, passed. What was it, Tuesday? Yeah. And and so I don't know the details. Um, I, I I think it's something um, between you know this is a huge range between seventy to one hundred and fifty million. Wow, uh, so, and this is a yeah, two, no. a, like two or three person agency in Maine that is going to yes. be responsible. And, and you think okay, it's going to so go this better? Is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is how your listeners can help. Um, there's a, uh, the Republicans, uh, Senator, uh, the, the Republicans have uh, put forward a bill, or uh, that at least some of the Republicans support. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm not a legislative expert, so I might have this wrong, but Senator Rick Bennett. Um, uh, and uh, due to some extent, I think, by our, our lobbying has, uh, and I think uh, he's got Democratic co-sponsors. It might be Seth Barry, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it put forward a bill to give more funding to the Connect Maine Authority because there, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's, a, there's a bond issue. There may be another bond issue at the state level, and there's going to be all this federal money. And I think it's really important to Maine that Connect Maine be able to evaluate applicants for that money uh, with a with a cold, clear, hard eye, and have the ability to audit projects afterwards, which has always been a problem in Maine. 
we haven't allocated money. So uh, to make sure that when, when money is handed out in, in grants or loans, that it's actually used and you get the results um, that, that you intended. So um, I think that's really important. I think execution is all. It's all very, the problem is not solved by allocating the money. The problem is solved by allocating the money and then having it used effectively. And if you don't have somewhat, uh, this sufficient oversight, you're going to end up with bad banks. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, Fletcher. So that's something I think is, bipart- I hope has got bipartisan support. You're going to have to spend some money to make sure this large amount of money is, is, is not wasted. Fletcher Kittredge, I hope we can continue this conversation another okay. time. I really appreciate right. you joining the podcast. Okay. And uh, um, if anyone wants to, I don't know, get a hold of you or reach GWI, what's the best way to do that? Is there must be a website or? Um, yeah, it's uh, GWI.net. Great. Okay. Thank you, Fletcher. Have a great weekend. All right, thank you. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.